Hello, and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews and my look at the Final Destination franchise. First up is Final Destination, coming out 18 years ago, and my god, has it been 18 years? God, I saw this when I was 20! Jesus, jinkies! Anyway, this was the start of the smart horror, and stepping away from the scream-like horrors of the smart, smarmy teenagers. The movie itself was based off a rejected X-Files script, written by James Wong, who went on to direct this movie itself, and indeed is one of the X-Files bigwigs. With a medium budget of 23 million, and it pulled in 53 million, it sparked off the franchise that has pulled in 666 million. And I found that interesting how a movie franchise based over death is pulling in 666 million. Hmm. Anyway, the series where it shows death as a vengeful, spiteful entity that will get you in the end no matter what, with some fun kills and scares, here it is, Final Destination. Starring Devin Sawa, Ali Latter, Kerr Smith, Sean William Scott, Brendan Fraher, Kristen Cloak and Tony Etodd. Directed by James Wong, La Plot. A teenager has a vision of his and his friend's death in a plane crash. He and a small group of teens get off the plane. The plane explodes and now death is stalking the teens. Can I figure out how to stop death or is, or are they going to their final destination? Or... Hot young things somehow cheat death after getting a vision of their gruesome deaths, and death has in for each and every one of them. Before I dive into the movie itself, let me save you an hour and 35 minutes. Do not listen to Richter's commentary. It is one of the worst I've ever listened to. I learned practically nothing. They just talked about how too much CGI was used and how it was shot in Canada. This is based in New York. Anyway, with that, this is on with the show. It opens up on shots of a bedroom. As the camera pans around the room, we see how some people are going to die, i.e. a hanging puppet. As lightning flashes and the rain pours, we see shots of a passport and a plane ticket to Paris for the 13th of May 2000 on flight 180. We also get shots of a metal-bladed fan blowing, and I'm guessing this is to symbolise death's wind thing that he does when he stalks after you. Finally, after three minutes of the world's slowest titles, do we meet our hero, Alex Browning, played by Devin Sawa, of Idle Hands, Casper, Nikita, and of course playing Stan in Eminem's music video for Stan. He has a go his mother for tearing off the last boarding pass ticket type thing on his suitcase, or luggage, saying to leave it on and it is good luck as the other plane landed safely. And note, this is one of the only few things I learned from the director's commentary, that the director, James Wong, has the same superstition. So of course she rips it off, and the two have also hissy fit. That night, Death's wind blows around his bedroom as he sleeps. And note, Devin Sawa actually is asleep here. In fact, due to the night shoots, he slept for a solid four hours and they could not wake him up. How very professional is that? It's 1am as Alex's digital clock changes to 180, which was a CGI effect that took over 5 days to complete. Really? 5 days to add one flicking red line? Get in. The next night at the airport, Alex and his class all pile outside, and this is Vancouver Airport, supposed to be John F. Kennedy Airport. As the class bully slash arsehole Carter Horton 
played by Kersmith of Dawson's Creek, My Body Valentine 3D, a movie I covered two years ago, check my archives, Charmed and Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. picks on Billy Hitchcock, played by Sean William Scott of American Pie movies, I covered all four main movies last July, check my archives, The S.H. movies, Evolution and Dude, Where's My Car, by weighing him down with multiple bags. Right behind him is his doting girlfriend, Terry Cheney, played by Amanda Demer of Drop Dead Gorgeous, Big Fat Liar and many TV shows. We're then introduced to Alex's best friend, Todd Wagner, played by Chad Donella of Disturbing Behaviour, Saw 3D, Taken 3 and many TV shows. And his twin, hmm, George, played by Brendan Fraher of Forsaken, Roswell, X-Men First Class and Silent Night Remake. As the camera passes around the hot young cast, we hear French teacher Larry Moreau played by Forbes Angus of X-Files, Millennium and many other TV shows as he barks out instructions to his class in French which no one understands as this is supposed to be a French class going to France, or Paris rather, for a fortnight's trips. Yes, well done, the public schooling there. Hmm. All but bookworm and class weirdo Clear Rivers played by Ali Latter of Heroes, Resident Evil, movies I covered last January, check my archives and Legally Blonde. Finally, we meet T.A. Valerie Luton, played by Christine Cloak of Black Christmas Remake, Check My Archives yet again, Space Above Beyond, and many more TV shows, as she is married to the producer slash co-writer, as she chases about a Harry Krishna monk for annoying Alex about death itself. Alex notices the boards have all changed to cancelled, all but his flight 180, which reads Departed. And what can it all mean? The ticket clerk tells him the flight departure time is the same as his birthday, 9.25pm, or September 25th. As all the students, some of the most well-behaved teenagers I've ever seen, all pile into the waiting lounge, Claire, and I swear to God for years I thought her name was Claire, is reading a book on Paris, which she drops showing Princess Diana's death, and that's very topical. Hmm... Alex picks up the book and hands it to her, and boom, they're now in love. Alex checks out the plane, which in no way is a toy superimposed on screen to make it look like a giant plane, as Todd runs up to him, pulling him to the bathroom to do a shit. I don't look at me, I didn't write this thing, they did it themselves. In the toilet, they hear John Denver, who died in a plane crash. Again, what does it all mean? They all board the plane, and Alex starts to feel unease. He checks the plane's door for flaked paint, blowing cold air on his face when he takes his seat, and checks the window seals, etc, etc. George, however, tells him to relax. The plane has a screaming child on board and a man with a disability. So they're fine. God won't let anything happen to them. God won't, but death will. The two Papa girls switch seats with Alex so they can sit together, and Alex must sit with Todd. As he does, the food tray hits him on the knee, as he goes to lock the food tray, the lock comes down in his hand. Here he has his vision of the plane exploding, sucking out people into the engines, a ball of fire, killing all his friends before engulfing him in flames, and finally exploding, killing all on board. Alex snaps out of his trance, checks the food tray lock, kicks off, and is booted off the plane, along with Todd, Terry, Billy, Carter, and both teachers. Oh yes, and Lovelorn Clear. And why Carter got up off his seat is beyond me, or is he such a douchebag arsehole he hates anyone getting attention? Typical bloody jock. Hmm. Miss Newton 
send Mr Moreau back on the plane to go with the class to Paris as she'll take a different plane with the ones that get kicked off. Five minutes later, the plane explodes after Carter picks a fight with Alex for no apparent bloody reason. Again, why did he leave the plane? Also, while I'm at it, why did Claire walk off the plane? Once the plane has blown up, people look at Alex side-eyed, all stunned and shocked, believing him to be a witch. How very X-Files of them. The FBI show up to question the class, paying attention to Alec. Alex Regan, as he wide-eyed explains the visions of the plane crash. The feds, of course, don't believe him. The FBI agents are Agent Ween and Agent Shrek, played by Daniel Roebuck and Roger Smith. Notice how all the names of the characters are famous directors or actors of the bygone age of horror, such as Billy Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock and Agent Shrek, Max Shrek director of the first vampire movie, or the first vampire, I'm not sure actually, etc, etc. After questioning and the parents showing up, they all get released, all but Claire, who has no parents to show up, so she's driven home by Alex's parents. Later we find out she lives alone, as her father died when she was 12, her mother remarried and doesn't care for Claire anymore. And how did she afford the trip to Paris then? Also, how did she, what does she do for money? Does she sell her artwork? Hmm. She has this huge house and a huge cabin in the woods, yet she lives by herself and she's 17. Okay then. Anyway, moving on. Alex watches on TV the reports of the crash in tears. Alex goes to the window where he sees the quote finger of death, i.e. a lightning bolt striking the ground outside his house, meaning death wants him. And according to the director's commentary, that was a last-minute effect and was done on a cheap. And my God, does it show. 39 days later, at a funeral service for all the dead students, all eyes are on Alex as the mayor blabs on and on and on about how this is a tragedy, yakety-schmackety. Then they reveal a giant eagle statue and lay single roses, both red and white. I love how all the survivors are in suits, yet Billy shows up wearing a jumper and slacks. Mm, would it be too hard to put him on a cheap suit? Get in. In the queue to lay the roses, Carter, being a complete dickhead, has a go at Alex yet again and threatens him. And I guess Daddy never said no to him then, because he's that type. Billy quizzes Alex if he'll die in a car crash, as he only just passed his test with a 70. Alex just brushes him off, telling him he is not psychic. How should he know? As Alex lays his rose, everyone, including Todd, turns his back on him, all but clear. On to the reasons why this movie and this franchise is so popular, the deaths. As it shows Todd getting stalked by death as he first takes a shit, and what is it with this movie and taking a shit? Which causes the toilet to leak, as Todd is shaving using a dangerous old-style twin-bladed razor, one on each end. He nicks himself just as the toilet water was going to shock him. So he cuts his nose hairs with scissors, but moves before he can slip in the toilet water. He goes for a shower, finding his mother's tights or pantyhose for American followers on a pulley system, a pulley line rather. He removes them and as he does he slips in the water, he slips into the tub, the pulley line wraps around his neck and he slips on the shower gels and shampoos. As death chokes him out, struggling to get to scissors, death wraps it tighter around his neck. As his eyes go bloodshot, he dies seconds later. As this is happening, Alex is reading a penthouse magazine, as you do because sex and death, apparently, according to the director's commentary, is a thing. Hmm. An owl screeches at him, so he throws it at the owl, 
to scare it away. His metal-bladed fan shreds the magazine to pieces, giving him Todd from a cutting. So he rushes over to see the police ambulance and the feds are there on the scene. The father tells him it's his fault what Dodd killed himself over missing his brother and chases him off never to speak to him ever again. And according to director's commentary, this was the number one way people died by accident in the 1990s in Los Angeles. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but hey. Next morning, Alex physics clear at her home and she shows off her artwork and note the metal she uses for her artwork was from the plane crash she illegally stole it from the beach so alex questions her as to why she was at todd's house the other night she just sidesteps him and hits on him telling him she fell in love with him as she felt whatever he felt on the plane and now she's instantly attracted to him okay what the fuck also run forest run She's fucking bug nuts. He tells her he wants to see Todd one last time and with that they go and break into the funeral home. Okay, this is getting weird fast. Now he likes the uneasy feeling and she's getting off on his power. Okay then. At the funeral home, we meet the owner, Bloodworth, played by the legendary Tony Todd of Candyman, Night Living Dead 1990 remake, Wishmaster, Hatchet movies and multiple Star Trek TV shows and other TV shows. He tells him in death there are no coincidences, no accidents, accidents even, no mishaps and no escape. That if death wants you, he'll take you unless you figure out his plan. However, if you do so, he will be gunning after you even more so. You don't want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. So, the next morning, with this new information in his already fucked up mind, Alex has to have coffee with Clear to explain why he thinks he has power over death. As he's explaining this to Claire, she doesn't believe him, even after he shows her the clipping of Todd. Alex has a vision of a bus zooming past, and Alex then rants to her that what if it was their time and death wants them, what he could figure out the pattern and he can save them all from death. As he's explaining this, up roars Carter and Terry in his car. He picks on yet another fight with Alex. Terry screams, at them, she's had enough, and if they don't stop, they can just drop dead. Seconds later, she's splatted by a bus. And I'm not gonna lie here, that was a good jump scare in the cinema. In this next scene, I don't get with Alka Seltzer between Alex and Claire. Are they now connected psychically? Oh, and did I mention this was a rejected X Files script? Hmm. Alex sees on TV a theory as to what caused the plane to explode faulty wiring and leaking fluids. However, the explosion path gives Alex an idea of what death's plan was. Up next is Miss Luton's death, which is done by her first making tea and then freaking out that the school mug. So she throws out the tea and puts ice and vodka on it. This causes the mug to crack, spilling vodka over her living room and onto her CRT monitor, which causes it to explode, sending a shard of glass into her neck. So stumbling into the kitchen to get a towel, for her neck wound, the cooker explodes, knocking her to her feet, off her feet rather. She grabs a towel, however, inside the towel is a butcher's knife, which goes right through her heart. Alex arrives to try to save her, but the cooker explodes again, knocking a chair onto the wound, digging the knife deeper into her chest. With the place in flames and his teacher Stone Cold dead, Alex runs out just as the place explodes. Before this happens, however, Miss Luton to see Alex sulking around her car. So she calls the feds who arrest Alex, but minutes later he, they let him go. 
Okay, first up, couldn't she smell the leaking vodka and or gas? Why? If you see death's shadow, do you continue to make tea when you get the hell out of there? And finally, why arrest someone just to release them minutes later? So, now on a run after Billy saw Alex leave Miss Luton's house before it exploded, Alex hides down by the lakeshore because the feds would not think to look down there. Billy, for some reason, goes to the eagle statue and Carter arrives and all but knocks him off his bike. Oh yes, I forgot, Billy narrates a bike everywhere as he's afraid to die in a car crash. Carter tries in vain to scratch Terry's name into the solid marble statue with his pen knife. Claire shows up out of nowhere, and uh, you know, as if this was a movie or something, gets Carter to drive her to wherever Alex is hiding. Claire, now on a beach, easily finds Alex sulking, and yet the police nor feds could find him. Okay then. It's here. She opens up to Alex how shit her life got since her dad died, and how she wishes for parallel worlds to actually exist, so she can live happily ever after with her dad, and none of the students died in the plane crash. In the original cut, the two had sex here, and she fell pregnant, which is why death couldn't kill her, because she was carrying a pure soul. But that, and the soppy ending, was cut, as the test audience's hated Carter lived in this one, and he dies in this this one. Hmm, that makes sense, John, but moving on. After that pointless scene, Claire gets Carter to drive them to her dad's hunting cabin in the woods to hide. However... Carter wants to show just how small his dick actually is and parks the car on the railroad tracks as a train is speeding towards him. Claire, Alex and Billy get out of the car, all but Carter he refuses, saying his life, his death, as Alex doesn't control his destiny. Until last second he changes his mind. However, death wants him and won't let the car start nor the seatbelt to be released. So panicking, Alex saves Carter last minute as the train totals his car. Carter has now pissed himself, screams at Alex he's safe, as a rusty piece of metal takes Billy's head clean off in a great jump scare. Alex, now drunk with power, or just coming unglued, thinks he's God, hides in Claire's dad's cabin, where he child-proves it, i.e. puts corks on all the nails, tapes up the deer heads, and places a lantern on a pot in a bucket of water, etc, etc. He is now reduced to eating, quote, soft foods, i.e., chicken patty. But for years I thought this thing was tuna, because why would chicken patty be in a can? Hmm. Death Hour wants him and he uses his breeze to blow rubbish around, causing Alex to almost be impaled by an ice axe. Axe even. Or rusty fishing hooks, it's not actually clear. That night, while Claire looks at a picture of her and her dad lovingly, the New Swiss feds are outside watching her, like they wouldn't have looked into her finding out her dad had a cabin in the woods. Hmm. She's had enough, so goes outside to tell the feds where Alex is. However, she must go with them in order to bring him in. Alex in the cabin, while building a fire by tossing in rusted, uh, rusted up pieces of paper, and that's how fire works, wee man, he realises Claire is next, not him, so runs to save her, somehow, because, I don't know, it's a movie? At the house, Death wants her by first knocking out the power to the house, which force her to go outside to save her dog from the downed power line. And note, this dog bit a ladder twice during this scene. As is happening, Alex runs from the feds across the lake and gets struck by lightning, pinning him down under a tree and drowning him in a small puddle of water. Meanwhile, Claire has got the dog to safety in time, just as the wind knocks over her washing cyclone dryer thingy. 
into her swimming pool, which spilling it, causing the ground to be electrified with water. Claire climbs her rose trellises to safety, but death isn't done yet. So she climbs into her bedroom. However, the power line chases up the trellis, sets her TV alight, which causes her room to be set on fire, and somehow chases her around the house as all the lights blow up in the house. Claire makes outside to her car, however, Death still wants her, so he gets the down power line to short out the garage door release button. This panics Claire, so she slams the car in reverse. This causes the door release arm to fall into her car, pinning her down, which somehow causes a can of turpentine to fall and set a light, setting on fire the garage. Alex somehow got free and rushed to her side even though he was pinned down by a bloody tree. He sees Clear, who is in the car and is grounded by the four tires from the downed power wire, which is jumping over the fire, sorry, which is jumping over the car, setting a light so she must jump from the car as he's holding the wire. Did you get all of that? No? Well, tough. The feds show up to see Alex saving Clear. They try to save Alex, Fade to bright white light and a tunnel. And it's six months later as Claire, Carter and Alex exit a plane in Paris. In Paris, Alex tells them since he saved Claire, he is still next and begs Carter to stay with Claire. Carter saves Alex from first a bus as it hurling towards him and then from a falling sign which swings back to kill him. And what does the sign say? One. 80. What does that all mean? It means this ending was rushed and it is some piece of bullshit hack writing. As credits roll. So, that was Final Destination. Some great kills. However, the OTT acting is too much. A soppy ending and the elaborate death setups are too much. However, this is a fun thing if you're in for this sort of movie. I'm going to give this thing a, oh, I don't know, 6 out of 10. Let's come back next week for parts 2 and 3 together, and then for the rest of the month for the rest of the franchise. March is musicals, including Rocky Horror, Little Shop of Horror, and Hairspray. Forget to leave a like, comment, and subscribe to my podcast if you like this one. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, or email me new suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchises podcasts of Psycho, Omen, Underworld and more. Also my solo podcast of Aliens, Dracula, Alien Freaks and many more. And uh, bye.